Welcome to the West of North London podcast, where we sit down each and every week to answer your big Arsenal questions. I'm Caleb. And I'm Tim. Tim, it's it, we've, we've got so much to talk about, and, and we were just saying that it feels like that Leicester game was somehow ages ago, and yet only only a few days have passed since we played that game. Yeah, it's a, things are moving thick and fast. We're at this the the part of the season where games are important, and they they seem to be happening all the time. We've got a few of them coming up, so yeah, yeah. It turns out to be a huge week with three games um, and lots lots riding on all of this because it's yeah, like you said, it's coming. It's it's going to come down to the wire. Everything matters right now, so uh, when you have a nine point a potential nine point week, it's 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 a big big deal. Um, we'll talk about where we stand here today in a, just a few minutes. But before we get to that, uh, let's talk about drinks. I I'm pretty boring. I'm sticking with my bits and bobs until I finish this. I was gonna pull out something special if we won today, but since that didn't happen, I'm being I'm sticking with my guns here. <laughs> How about you? What do you got this week? Um, I'm I'm. I've got something that's not too exciting, though it is probably the best beer in the world, which is I have a uh, Carlsberg, which is my kind of go-to, you know, light, crappy beer, I guess. Uh, you know, I, I like Carlsberg better than a, a Rainier. I won't say that too loudly in these parts, but uh, <laughs> just light, easy, breezy, cheap. Um, yeah, been doing a lot of uh, red beers with these recently, so yeah. That's uh, that's what I'm having. We're just we're just flowing right through the the drink of the week this this week. Yeah, I think just, we got, just have I, a beer in hand. That's all that matters. Yeah, I think uh, this week, as you said, I, I might have been more interested in having a celebratory beer if we'd uh, gotten some points today. But you know, after the game, I kind of just went home and crawled into a shell and played video games instead. So, <laughs> well, um. Without further ado, then, let's get to Tim's bit. Well, seeing as we're playing Liverpool, and as everybody knows, they sing that uh, song from a musical, You'll Never Walk Alone. So I, I, I wanted to ask you if Arsenal had to, or if Arsenal had a song to sing at the beginning of a match that was from a musical theater, a, a, a musical, as it were, which song would you have uh, sung from a musical for Arsenal? Oh man, there's too many choices. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. I, I I do like some musicals. I went to a musical over the weekend. Oh, which one? Um, I went and saw the band's visit. Oh, don't even know what that is. Yeah, it won like ten Tony Awards, and I had never uh. heard of it before. So I, I'm, <laughs> I'm by no means an expert, but it was actually really good. So. Um, is there a song from there that you'd you'd consider singing as an Arsenal no, fan? No, it's not. It's um, it's a really interesting story. It's about a, a band from uh, like a traditional Arabic band that visits from Egypt to Israel, oh. and they go they go to the wrong town, and so it's kind of this, like a it's a story that encapsulates one night where they were. Had to stay in the wrong place. Yeah, sounds like musicals. 
<laughs> yeah, it's very, but it's very, very different music. And I was kind of surprised and it was a nice, nice change. I think there was only one song where more than two people sang, which is kind of unusual for a musical. Um, but I digress. Uh, let's think there's so many, what would be a good Arsenal specific song? Okay, I'm, I'm just going to throw this out because it just keeps popping into my head and I can't think of anything else. I'm going to go with, uh, well, I, 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 I'm, I'm kind of torn because I feel like this is, uh, this might be kind of derivative of, of Liverpool's song maybe a little bit, but, oh man, now I'm getting self-conscious. Not sure what the best answer for this is, Tim, you've really stumped me. Like I'm, I'm trying to think of like what's a good song to like belt out with a bunch of people. Yeah, well, you know, I, I'm thinking of going something from Les Misérables. I don't know why it's one of my favorite musicals, and uh, I was thinking like you know, do you hear the people sing? Would be would be a good one. Oh, that's a good one. Good choice. Um. I could probably work think about this for hours. You've really you've intrigued me. I feel like Arsenal needs a, a, a musical song now. Yeah, I mean, not like Phantom of the Opera. I can't think of anything from there. Although, like the uh, the, I, the opening of it would be cool. I really like Dear Evan Hansen, and there's a song in there uh, called "You Will Be Found." Yeah, and it talks about rising again. I feel like that is appropriate for our where Arsenal is at right now and it's kind of like a a good like collective song so it's, it gets everybody rooting for each other and working for each other yeah. so i feel like that's that's good for where we're at right now okay I, I i buy that i'm going with that sweet so now now we got your musicals uh you know any of the listeners should totally pipe up and we'll talk about it if they uh, come up <laughs> with any any good musical songs yeah i'm into it i like it um, okay. We've got a couple games to talk about to review and a game coming up later this week. So we should delay no further and get, get into the good and the bad. Let's, let's start with the good since that came first. Uh, we had a game against Lester this last weekend and, uh, I would say that was pretty much all good. I had no complaints about that game. No, no complaints at all about that game. It was, it was fun to watch. I was uh, watching it at work. It's it's always nice to have a Sunday game because I can uh, put it on and uh, watch it uh, with a couple people. Jordan was uh, there watching the game, friend of the show, Jordan, who we'll hear from later. And uh, yeah, it was a, a good game. I was thoroughly happy. It's nice when you score early and then you score late. And then, you know, often Arsenal has this, you know, ability ability to make things more dramatic towards the end and i didn't feel that this game did you did you what were your your overall impressions of the game no i really felt like they were in control pretty much the whole game and that was it was a nice feeling because i think that is something you know when we've been uh in some recent games we've kind of let the foot off the gas and and uh maybe made things a little more difficult like you were saying um it's uh I don't know if it's a feature, but it ha- it it does it is something that creeps in the back of your mind um, that Arsenal can capitulate and maybe uh, be a little uh, too relaxed. I would say in in late parts of the game, 
or just get a little tired, uh, especially considering that that Watford game uh, that ended 3-2 in the previous week. You know, it was a, it was a little too close for comfort. Um, but we've had several close, close games. It's not like, um, you know, Wolves game before that, the Brentford game. It's not like we haven't had close games, but it is, it is all about that feeling of control. And, uh, this, this game definitely felt like they were in control the whole time. I, d- I never really felt like Leicester were that threatening. Yeah, I, I was assuming that uh, what's his name Vardy would actually get a goal at some point, just because he seems to always just get a goal against us. And I was I was pleasantly surprised not to see that the case, and not not even really feel that threatened. There were one or two chances they had, but it didn't. I don't know. It didn't not. Well, Vardy, Vardy didn't even didn't even get a shot. Didn't get a play. Yeah. So you know that was that was the plus side to begin with. I think yeah. he he does have Arsenal's number. Um, I think uh, maybe a week or two ago, Ramsdale was asked. Uh, in an interview, what, who was the player that really uh, he found to be the toughest to play against? And he said Vardy, um, just because he's always always moving, always running. And I think he had scored quite a few goals against uh, Ramsdale specifically. So he's he, it's a, maybe a little bit of a boogeyman. So maybe it was a good thing they didn't have to face him. Not that I'm too worried about it. I think Ramsdale's been playing really well and had an excellent save in this game. I, he had mid Brendan Rogers, uh, you know, <laughs> the, the camera from the sidelines caught Brendan Rogers, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> gave a wow to, to the, uh, Ramsdale save. Yeah. Cause I think everybody, everybody on their bench thought that the, the header was going in, but Ramsdale does know, know how to pull it out. And that, that shot, especially he was, he was about to go the other way and changed his trajectory and, 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 direction the last second and was able to get a, a hand on it and he his reflexes his power his power in in the way he can push balls away uh always impressive I, I i love watching his his goalkeeping he just he surprises people i think he, he everybody knows he's good he's gotten quite a few clean sheets he's really um i think worked his way into the conversation as far as like being possibly the number one keeper for for England just because he's he's playing behind a good defense as uh, as opposed to Pickford over at Everton yeah. and uh I think people are, are taking notice and and he he pulls out outstanding looking saves and I think the um he passes the eye test I think that you know it, it's um it does help to play behind a good defense but when he is called upon he knows how to make the outrageous and uh quite often game-saving saves. Yeah, I mean, we'll get we'll get a little bit more into Ramsdale with the uh, Liverpool game because I do have some interesting notes about him on this game. But uh, for the Leicester game, I thought uh, definitely he, he was great. Uh, I mean, in my mind, it's easy that he's the, should be the number one starter for England. It's, it's, it's no contest in my mind. And just, you know, seeing how quickly he's, 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 he's basically sidelined Leno to where, you know, when we started the season, I was a little amazed that we signed a keeper even because we had Leno and I thought everything was good and just seeing now how much uh, of an improvement you can get with a keeper, which was uh, going from Leno to uh, Ramsdale was uh, quite an improvement. And so, yeah, overall, I think it's a good day. Yeah. I think, and, and 
when you think back to where this season started and kind of how everybody was kind of wondering why Arsenal would sign to keep would would sign a keeper, and then it was, um, you know, it, it people people were wondering if Ramsdale was the real deal, and he's gone from that to working his way into the conversation for the number one national team spot. That's that's quite the trajectory. I, I I'm that alone is pretty impressive to really change so many people's minds in that way. Yeah, definitely. He's a, it's, it's, it's been an impressive trajectory. I mean, I think people were talking about him as the future of England's uh, keeper for a while, even when he was uh, before he came to Arsenal. So yeah, it's just, it's, it's nice that a, a signing's actually uh, worked out and has uh, been su- pleasantly surprising. Absolutely. Uh, so the other positives from this game, you know, we got a couple goals, uh, party coming up big early on in this game. Uh, and when, when he scored, I, I, I felt like he was way overdue. You know, we see him shoot so often, uh, and so, so very rarely come close. And this time he scores with his head and then minutes later, it has a, a shot off the post. He could have had a brace in this game, pretty much. He was really on top of it, and uh, I think quietly, he's he's played really really well over this last uh, run of games that Arsenal's had, and uh, I think he even he even played fairly well today in the Liverpool game. I I I don't think the team would be where they're at without the. Uh, consistency of party and to get him on the the score sheet is is also uh, a plus because we just need as many goals from different areas as we can get so having a, a good target like him in the box to to score a header is is nice nice to tap into that yeah and i mean i don't even think it's been quietly i think he, he, he it's been pretty obvious to me at least that he's he's had a, a great run of form and we're finally seeing more of the party that we 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 expected coming from uh, how he was playing at uh, Madrid at Atletico. I think, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'm just uh, you know he has been. It's not like all his shots were far away. He has you know been hitting the post quite a bit. Like it's a, it's been a progression. I think you know adding a, a goal score or a goal or two to his repertoire is uh, just you know nice. It's fine. It's nice to have that goal. He was involved in the uh, the the play leading up to the penalty as well. So. You know, it's it's nice to nice to have that coming from midfield. But I mean, the goal itself was amazing. I, I the what I noticed when I first saw it is just he, he his jump was very similar to Ronaldo. How Ronaldo Cristiano Ronaldo has seems to like just float in the air as he jumps, and uh, Party really just had that uh, kind of ability as well on that goal. Yeah, I think he he looked. He looked. He's just looked comfortable, and especially the position that he's been playing, kind of as the defensive shield, pretty much on his own because Jacques has been pushed forward so much to kind of play opposite of Odegaard in that um, more offensive position. It, you know, Jacques certainly can pull back and, and add coverage when necessary, but Party's been left to do a lot of the the defensive work and to progress the ball forward. His um, Connection, you know, he's kind of the connector piece between Ramsdale and getting the ball forward to Odegaard or Xhaka or whoever's in front of him. 
and uh, that he just makes it look so smooth because he is able to absorb that pressure and play right through it. And that's ultimately what we, we needed him to do and what we hoped he would be able to do. And it's really just finally gotten to the point where he's comfortable enough and, and the people around him truly benefit because they're able to, I mean, Odegaard said specifically the, the work that party and Jaka do allow him to do what he does and, and play forward and um, kind of move all over the field. But uh, I, I do think that connection between Party and Odegaard to kind of um, progress the ball forward is really important to the way the, the way the team plays. Yeah, and I, I do want to touch on the the midfield a little bit, but before we do that, before we kind of move on from the uh, the Party goal, I just I, I also wanted to highlight the uh, the service that uh, Martinelli gave to the, the the goal. It was a it was a such a, a nice uh, kick in and. I was looking at it feeling like I, I just it's been a long time since we've had such great uh, service from corners. It's been it feels like ages since we've had someone able to be uh, reliant upon to do to do that service. Yeah, I think there, there's so many times where we were just kind of hitting that first man and not getting it into dangerous positions or, you know, not making enough out of the that near post. And this was one of those goals where we was able to just get free on that near post. And, and that was all that was a little bit of space was all he needed. Um, if you can't take advantage of those, uh, matchups and, and that, that near post run can actually be one of the easier goals you can get if you can redirect it. And he just made it look very simple and that, that service definitely helps. Exactly. Uh, but, uh, you know, getting back to the wider part of midfield with a party, I think some someone else we have to kind of look at is uh, Jaka. And I feel Jaka has also been really doing well with party. And I don't know if it's just party making Jaka look good or if we're, we're finally seeing some of, uh, uh, I don't know, the uh, the best of Jaka right now. I think, you know, we've, we've seen him transition to a different position a little bit more. He's playing more forward, uh, a little bit wider, and Party has, has picked up the slack on the def- defensive uh, responsibilities, and I think he's getting well-backed by um, the the great center-back partnership we have in White and, and Gabriel. So it, it, with, with that defensive uh stability behind him Jacques doesn't quite have to do as much tracking back he's not chasing players down um the spaces he has to cover you know I think Tierney's been a little bit more conservative but he he also has some good coverage so Jacques can uh slide over if needed but he's he's not getting left one-on-one with players and I think that's when you see Jacques get into trouble because he doesn't have that um he doesn't have the the range or the the speed to track back and really make get himself into good positions to make good defensive plays. So he ends up fouling, and he has to make those tough fouls. And because of his reputation, more often than not, he's going to get a yellow card or worse. And so if you don't force him to play uh, that sort of defensive shield position that he he was playing previously i think it just puts him into a much better headspace he's he's able to look forward a bit more and not have to worry so much and uh not have to make those those professional fouls as often so i think if you can not put him into such risky positions he's going to shine a little bit more 
than and and we've always said that with uh you know like he he doesn't play the same way with the national team because he isn't asked to do the same same thing and now we're asking him to do something a little bit different and i wouldn't say he's like uh blowing my mind with that he's just not he he's not the the risk factor he was he he still leaves a little bit to be desired i would i would say like if we're going to play this way with party um taking up a lot of the midfield responsibilities as far as the uh the defense the defense goes um I want a little bit more on the offensive side of the ball from that position that Shaka is playing, and he 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 can maintain possession, but as far as picking out players and being a, a great uh, offensive threat, he he leaves a little bit to be desired. But if this is the way we're going, kind of more of a four three three setup, or you know, shifting things around a little bit more. Uh, it just it, it makes it a little more glaring to me that we need to upgrade on Jaka. He does he he's doing fine, but we could do better there. I think if this is what we're going to do going forward. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a an easy upgrade. I just I, I I think that sometimes we as fans don't recognize when a player is doing a job, and I think Jaka is definitely 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 doing a job right now. So uh, I just wanted to, to point that out. But I think, you know, going forward, I think it's obvious that we need an upgrade in that position. Although, you know, uh, I heard someone talking about uh, putting uh, Odegaard actually in there, taking over that position and getting someone kind of different going forward more. Mm. Well, I mean, he's probably, the way Jacques is playing, he's pretty much doing the same thing Odegaard's, or he's playing in the same space that Odegaard's playing on the other side. He, he's just taking up that left-hand side to kind of link up with Tierney and Martinelli. Mm. So I could see, I, I think they just need to find somebody that can play a little bit better on the offensive side of things and, and create create a little bit more for Martinelli or Tierney or link up a little bit more with those two. Um, he does fine, but there are moments where I'm like, he could, we could do better here. <laughs> I do agree with that, but I, yeah, just now I think I, it's nice. It's nice to have, especially you saw during the Leicester game, a, a functional midfield, which we've, it feels like we haven't had in a while. Yes, definitely. Um, and then we had a, we got a, a penalty call for us for once <laughs> um, this comes so few and far between few and far between for in arsenal's favor um but this one i wouldn't say was a clear handball it was definitely um it, it took a few watches of the replay to to really identify that there was <laughs> there yeah. was a, a hand in there for me for me it was clear as day like i just you, you saw his hand move like it's it, like the first replay you can really see his hand move and then you can see the ball, the way the rotation goes and the rotation yeah, of the, that was the, the tip off. Yeah. So for me, so, so for me, it was a, a, a pretty straightforward handball when I saw it happen, not live, obviously, but the first replay I was like, Oh, that's gotta be a handball. And I'm surprised they actually took so long going over it. Cause I felt like it was, you know, if you know what you're looking for, it was a, a pretty obvious handball. Yeah, that rotation of the ball definitely changed. That was that was the tip off, but um, thankfully they got it right. Uh, Lacazette gets his overdue goal, and Arsenal cruised after that. I don't think there was too much to really uh, 
call out after that. It was it was pretty pretty smooth sailing. Yeah, and uh, you know, as I said at the top, it was it was nice to kind of finish out a game and not really uh, feel under pressure and feel you know frightened. You, you know, we had the, um, the the Watford game where I think all of us lost about a, a year and a half off our life from the uh, end of that game. So. Yeah, I don't know much uh, else to say about that game. It was a good game. I think there's some definite positives. Do you have anything you wanted to bring out more from that game? No, I think that was that was the positive part of the this week. Uh, well, it's the week's not over. We're we're midway through this this three game run. So let's let's not. Uh, skip the the tough parts let's get let's get into this uh liverpool game um we didn't talk too much about this game going into this uh we kind of were focused on lester first and 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 this game was obviously a very important one but i think for most people there was the uh feeling that this was not not going to be a win and if it was if we got anything out of it, it would be a bonus. Um, that seemed to be the sentiment I was I was feeling from other Arsenal fans. Uh, does that kind of match what you were feeling going into this game? Yeah, I mean, it was interest. It was an interesting feel, and you know, it would have been interesting to have recorded the con- the uh, the podcast yesterday because while I wasn't expecting a win, I was very excited about the game. It's the first time in a while that I've been just excited about a game that there, there was just so much. Not that I'm not excited, just like there was just so much uh, potential for the game. There's, you know, both teams fighting for things. And I think for the first time in a while, we have a squad that feels competitive with uh, Liverpool. Not, you know, I, we're not at the same level at this point in, in time, but I've, I felt like it, it could have been a c- competitive game. So I was very excited about it. But yeah, I wasn't expecting three points by any, uh, any means. No, I think it was. I, I think most people were feeling if we could even steal a point, we we would be doing pretty good. Uh, and it, but I, I felt pretty. I still felt pretty nervous uh, in, going into the game, and, and usually nervous means I feel like we could get something out of it. But uh, it was not to be. But that's okay. I mean, I. I, I'm disappointed in in the the way things turned out, but I don't feel uh, like Arsenal did anything particularly wrong. Uh, we, we could talk about individual play, but as a team, I felt like they really did did what they could with what they had, um, and, and and it just shows that there is a, a little little bit of a gap still between us and the the top teams, and that's okay because when you look at what uh, Liverpool were, were able to do, you know, they had Salah and Firmino and, you know, their, their bench is <clears throat> probably better than a good chunk of our starters. And that, that says a lot about where we're at as far as it, we're going up against a team that is playing, you know, playing at a champions league level and we're not there as far as our depth and quality yet. And so, even the the quality players that we do have uh, have a lot to learn, have a lot of um, developing still to do, and that's okay. I still think they're a very exciting team to watch. They they played an excellent first half, but when it comes down to it, sustaining that for a full game 
and especially when the the um the options off the bench are are not amazing it's it is it's tough to to go toe-to-toe for 90 minutes with a team like liverpool yeah and i we had an excellent first half and i was extremely happy to go into half uh zero zero I thought uh, we were competitive. I think there were, uh, you know, chances going on both sides. Uh, I do think, yeah, you, you you just touched on it. One of the big differences just coming off the bench, we didn't have, I don't know, any, any, any excitement, anything that I was looking at going like, oh, yeah, this is going to change the game, you know. I like... I tend to be very, fairly, you know, defensive of Pepe to Pepe to a certain extent, but you know, I knew Pepe coming in wasn't going to really change the game. Uh, other than that, uh, yeah, the the goals were unfortunate. The uh, the first goal, I don't know if you want to go into it now, but I I really do think that uh, Ramsdale was at fault for that goal. It was it was a combination of uh, Ramsdale not covering his uh, near post. And uh, Suarez just miscalculating and running forward and leaving uh, White out to dry. Because if you look at that goal, it's uh, Saka looks and tries to, uh, you know, kind of lazily pass it out and uh, kind of Liverpool steals the ball. And as uh, Saka is doing that, Suarez is making a, a run forward and just kind of just completely leaves the defense. And that puts... Is that on the fir- the first goal or the second goal? That is, oh no, that's the second goal. Sorry, sorry. I am. I, he, I, I, Suarez was culpable in both yeah. for, in my mind, so I, I wasn't sure. That, but that, when you, that. yeah, he does he does slip on the second goal and and yeah, kind of screws screws the team <laughs> by letting letting his 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 guy run right by. Yeah, but yeah, same kind of same thing in the first goal. I I felt like Cedric Suarez was was culpable on both and he was just like as soon as the pass went in on the first goal to to Jota it was it was Suarez who was just he was chasing I mean he he was not able to keep up with that play it went right past him and I I don't know if he was at his top speed but if he was he's not fast enough um and and I think he is he is a player that that can be caught out by bad positioning and yeah. i think this was a, a, ca- a case of that no it was the first goal i was describing so if you actually look at that first goal the way it kind of plays out is suarez is just so out of position you said you 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 did say it and then joda comes in and kind of uh 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 pushes it towards the uh the near post on ramsdale and i i think there's a little bit of, as i said culpability on ramsdale's part for that goal as well yeah, I mean it was it was a savable goal, uh, but I, I think Jota should not be in that position, mm. especially. I mean, especially him. We we know that he he finds a way to score against Arsenal. I don't know what it is, but he he seems to f- have our our number for sure. And uh, yeah, I, I when we're talking about weak, weak links in the team, it's Cedric that comes up time and time again. And this is this was a game I really, really wish Tommy Ossie was back for because I think he would he would have saved us from at least one of those goals. When I was watching the game, that's exactly what I said to my buddy. It was just uh, you know I, how how badly do we miss Tommy Ossie right now? And I think it would be a very different game with Tommy Ossie in it. So whatever's 
injury uh, Tomiyasu has, I'm hoping it heals very quickly because, you know, Suarez is just not doing it. Yeah, I saw some speculation that if he's as injured as it seems he is, then we might not see him until after the next international break because that would, that's coming after this weekend. Uh, so maybe sitting him out for one more game would be ideal to give him as much rest as possible. But uh, yeah, whatever gets him back sooner than later, we, we definitely could use him. And it, like I said, it was not just the one goal. I, f- I felt like Cedric, uh, even on that second goal, he, he was he's the one that, that uh, he charges forward. Um, you know, Saka almost has the, the turnover and Cedric bites on it and charges forward like Saka's going to you know, pass it, pass it out. But instead of, um, maintaining possession, Sokka loses possession and Cedric slips and it leaves, uh, Oh gosh, who, who was it that ended up making the cross? It might've been, no, it wasn't Jota again, was it? I don't remember. Who made that assist? Um, Oh, I think it was Robertson. Uh, yeah, Andy Robertson makes that that uh, that cross that Firmino uh, just taps taps past uh, Ramsdale. So it, it's it was frustrating because those were both I think very preventable goals, and um, yeah, Cedric kind of left the team out to dry both times. Uh, but yeah, it wasn't like they were impossible goals to, to, to stop. It just was the team kind of fell off. And I, I do feel like they put so much into maintaining or, or keeping up with Liverpool in that first half. It was by the end, you could tell that that a lot of those players had put everything they had into this game. And, uh, I think that is, that is a big, uh, a big piece of, of what, what, we have to deal with right now with such a thin team with the amount of games we have this week there's no real possibility of rotation we have to try to win everything uh and if you're treating every game as a cup game you're trying to put your your best team out there every t- every chance you get and so it does mean that when you're going up against a big uh a big team like Liverpool in the middle of the week there's going to be some tired legs there's going to be um some mental fatigue and I, I think that definitely showed. And, and Liverpool, having the depth that they have, having the experience that they have, they they are going to shift gears. And I think I think Arsenal played played in their top gear for most of this game, and were not able to keep up when when Liverpool was was able to go go up a level. I mean, speaking of rotation, like, do you find it interesting that we like basically have not rotated in quite some time? There hasn't been; it's been the same lineup for three games, pretty much straight. And yeah, do you? I mean, do you think there's a case to be made to be rotating some of these players out to giving some people some break? I mean, the 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 players that you might bring in would be Pepe and maybe Enkedia, but. We've just been playing so well with the, the players that we have. Or Smith like, like Smith Rowe's been uh, the the he was on the bench the today. Talk on talk on him has been that he is the reason he has not been in 
in the lineup, at least as a starter, outside of the Martinelli aspect, is that him coming off of COVID has actually had a, a bit more of an effect on his fatigue and his he's gone through some aches and pains, and so he's not he has not been a hundred percent, and that's why he's been playing limited minutes off the bench. So we are our hands are kind of tied. The the, the team that we've had available, he, I mean, I. I with Martinelli playing as he does, with with Saka playing as he he has been playing, I don't think you can rotate either one of those guys out for Pepe. And with with Emil Smith Rowe not being 100%, with Tommy Asu not back, we're kind of stuck with the team that we have. I mean, I I, I get and the same thing with uh, you know the way the midfield's been playing. I don't see Lakonga breaking into that. Uh, I don't, I don't see Enkedia being rotated in for Lacazette because he's been so important to how we've been playing. So I, it, I, I admire the consistency that we've been able to have this season. Um, you know, even with injuries, we've been playing very, really consistent, consistently, and Arteta has stuck to a, a very predictable lineup, and I think that has benefited the team a lot in a lot of ways as far as chemistry and predictability. So. I don't blame Arteta for continuing to put out the same lineup as much as he possibly can because I think it has benefited uh, the team overall. But when you do see guys get injured, when you see the fatigue creep in, um, I guess it's it's easy to, to second guess. But I, I think you, like you have to put the best best team out that you can in this situation when we're just on the cusp of, of that fourth place spot, you know, we're only uh, a, point, a point ahead of Manchester United at this point. So it's, it is, um, it, every, every, every point, every game counts immensely. And so I, I don't blame Arteta at all for not rotating very much, if at all. You say you say that, but I think you have to also be smart with your rotation. That, as you say, that you know, you know, the more you kind of grind through players, the more injuries that they end up getting or have possibilities for getting. And this is a game that we both, you know, said at the outset, and I'm sure Arteta had a very similar uh, outlook, which is that we'd be grateful for a point. So, would you not kind of looking at this game, maybe looking at it as a a time to rest players so that they're very healthy against a very winnable game in West Ham next week. Well, I feel like it, it, it's in Arteta's mind. He's still not fully convinced that this team is able to rotate. I think he, he, he's getting the most out of the, the best players that he has available and anything else is, is not, living up to what he wants to do on the field. So I, I, I think you, you can't look at the Leicester game as something that's super winnable and that you can rotate players on. Um, I don't think he looks at Liverpool as something you bench players for. That's just not how he operates. He's going to put out his best available lineup at all times. And I, by all indications, he's going to put out the same best 11 that he can on Saturday. I, and especially with a international break coming up and the, you know, without multiple competitions the, the the last few weeks, I think he has felt fairly comfortable that this team should be able to rise to the occasion. And, and this one week of three games shouldn't present, shouldn't present major issues to that either. So I, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of in agreement with that. I mean, this is the one time you've had, uh, 
some congestion in quite a while. And so there's no reason to think that this team shouldn't have the gas to, to go through it. I think what, what we lacked in this game was not down to physical, it was down to mental and that mental strength, that mental fortitude to get through an entire game at this intensity is something that you can only you can only gain by going through it. And so I don't think you bench players, you try to push them through this and 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 they learn and they get and they grow and then next season they they make that step up because they went through this. So I don't think you you bench players for this sort of game in, well, I mean, in bench, some bench sort is, of con- conceit bench is to, the, to the, try to gain points later. I mean, bench is the wrong word. I wouldn't say bench, but rest players is a thing. And and, and it's it's looking forward to, and we'll see how it comes out with the uh, West Ham game, if there's rotation, and then how the players react. And I think that's, you know, what more what I'd be saying is that uh, you would want to hold some of these players back for a more winnable game. I think I still think like you can go to the go into the Villa game and and rotate and still bring some of these guys off the bench. I don't think that's that's less. I think taking that tact for for Villa is, is different than than what you would do against Liverpool. I mean, I just I, I I I don't I don't agree with the idea of of resting players against Liverpool. It just it looks it looks weak, and I think he wants to put his best team out against the the best competition. And that's kind of been Arteta's mo, right? He he's not he doesn't shy away from playing his best players when when the occasion calls for it in any any chance he possibly can. I don't think he's um, ever bit shied away from trying to get more out of these guys. And, and I think his his expectation is you could they should be able to do three games in a week without without issue. I mean that could now that that's that may be something he, he hopes for in the future and is not realistic for right now, but I, I think he, his expectations are pretty high. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one thing versus expectation versus reality, but uh, I think it, it's, it, and I don't necessarily disagree with what you're saying. I just, I, I think it's something to kind of keep an eye out for going forward and seeing what's happening in the, uh, the West Ham game. And if you have, some of these players start getting these injuries, you know, every time a player gets injured, you, you get that like, Oh, why is he injured so often? Da, da, da. But if you, if you look back at the opportunities to have to, to rest a player, and if you're looking at where the, the potential points are, I think this would have been a game to, that we all, we both conceded at the start. It wasn't a potential point. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I, I just don't see our, that that's not his style. As far as going up against the best competition, he's always going to try to put out his best team. Whether you think you're going to get the points out of it or not, he's still going to try to compete. I, it, if he starts playing that game where he's he's rotating guys on these big marquee matchups, I think he's overthinking things. Like it would, it. I don't think it would come across that well if he's playing Pepe all of a sudden after all these games where he's been, played a very consistent lineup and then and then Pepe breaks through or something on a Liverpool game. It would look kind of weird. Um, so yeah, Villa coming up this weekend. Jeez, uh, it, it's nonstop, and and the schedule came out uh, for some of the games that we have not played yet, and it looks no less daunting. Um, just to look ahead slightly, they did add in the the Chelsea game coming on April twentieth. And that's three days before we play Man United. 
Um, not not super great. Uh, I think Arteta was pretty pissed about that. <laughs> you could sense his his uh, anger in the post game press conference today. He was sarcastically thanking the Premier League for doing that, <laughs> um, and I, I think it is it is frustrating that they of all the times they could have squeezed that game in it, to sandwich it right before the Man United game is pretty pretty frustrating, and then going right into West Ham after that, um, it it's not going to be easy. That's for sure. <laughs> that run of games is going to be rough. Yeah, I mean. And I do get the frustration, but it, at a certain point that you do have to sandwich the games in somewhere. And yes. I, I think, you know, it, we are paying the piper for the, the, some of the games that we, you know, postpone. Some of it isn't our fault, you know, Chelsea going and, uh, going deep and winning the club world cup and also going deep into their, uh, their run and the, uh, the, uh, whatchamacallit cup, the, uh, the FA cup, you know, isn't necessarily our fault, but, it, it was going to happen at some point and you do have to schedule the games at some point. Yeah, we did not get the luck of the draw there. Um, but Villa coming up on Saturday, uh, an early game for, for us here on the West Coast, uh, 5.30 in the morning. Uh, That's a replay game. But yeah, it, <laughs> uh, I'm trying to pull up Villa's run of form here. They are, you know, sitting in ninth place, not not in a bad position as far as uh, as far as things go. Uh, lost recently to the uh, what, did, what was their last game here? They, oh, <laughs> they uh, they just lost to to West Ham. So um, interesting. They're gonna, you know, they're they're fighting to to push their way up into. Maybe that uh, Europa Conference League position. I think that would be what they'd be reaching for at this point. And uh, Arsenal, of course, trying to put some distance between themselves and, and Man United, who are, are just a point behind right at the moment, um, sitting in fifth. And uh, they play they play Leicester uh, on the second so yeah, I mean, I think the, uh, the in in looking at uh, Villa's form, they have in the last five games they've won three, lost two, m- most recently against West Ham. But the other one that pops out is that they lost one nil to to uh, Wofford, which <laughs> you know is a an interesting set of form. You know, I think Villa should be a game that we 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 take. They have their new manager. It's a uh, Stephen Gerrard. It's I guess he's not that new anymore. <laughs> But, uh, you know, it's, it, 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 you know, like any game in the Premier League, it's it's going to be a challenging game, but it's not, it's somewhere where I'm expecting to get points out of for sure. Yeah, I don't want to ever expect, uh, expect to win. I think every game is challenging in the Premier League these days. But um, I, you know, this, this, if it wasn't for this Liverpool game today, if we were going... From Leicester to the, the this Villa game, I would say this is this is another game we should easily win. But I can't, I, you can't help but wonder, you know, with the fatigue, with the mental mental side of the game, if this could be a trap game for Arsenal. Um, but you know, all things being equal, I think this would be an easy win. But the way things have played out this week, this this could be a challenging one for them. 
but if we come out of the, if we come out of this three game run with six points, I would say that is that is a, a, a very good return on a, a busy week. Most definitely, it's a I, as you said, it's not it's not expected. I never expect points. This is Arsenal. I've been following them far too long to expect points out of anything. But uh, I think I would be looking. I'd be looking for those points for sure. Yeah, three points would be big. Would be big in in putting some distance between us and, and Man United. Like I said, they don't play again until the second. So you know, going into the international break, four points ahead of of them in fourth place would be a, a great position to be in. Um, and a, and a loss would would open the door for for West Ham, who sits in forty at forty eight points. Um, a, a win for them and a loss for Arsenal would put put them uh even so i you you can't you can't leave the door open for anybody in that uh fifth through seventh position i arsenal need to continue to to make ground and and hold that fourth spot for as long as they can yeah you know if if we're serious about this fourth uh place this is definitely a uh an important game to win yeah, and I think you want to carry that momentum into a break. You don't want to go out on a. You don't want to fizzle out. You want you want to kind of have something to to build upon when you come back. So, um, you know, looking at the matches on the other end, we we definitely want to. <clears throat> excuse me. We we definitely want to have uh, some some strength going in coming out of the break as well you know i i think that's that's really important anytime we have a, a pause you you want to you want to feel like you're 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 coming back and and hitting the ground running and and not trying to pick up or regain your momentum again yeah i mean i'll, I'll put this here my usual segment of god i hate the international break and how it interrupts the uh, the flow of a season and it'd be nice to be able to carry this momentum that we have through but Absolutely. Yeah. I think that, uh, you know, we have Crystal Palace on the April 4th and uh, they're not uh, maybe not the a big threat to Arsenal at this point, but it, it is it looks a lot different when you're you're coming off a, a lot, a couple losses versus a, a win. Well, I mean, Palace just held a city to a no no draw and a very credible to them no no draw. So, you know. As yeah, we said, they're not they're not pushovers. Yeah, exactly. Any team in this league at this point is not a not a pushover. No, that's that is for sure. All right, should we take a break? We've got a few questions, so we should uh, get to them as quickly as we can because we we've got quite a few to answer. Yep. All right. With that, we'll 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 take a moment to reset and and be back with your questions right after this. Welcome back from the break. We've got a few questions for you. So let's kick things off with a question from Tim Whittem. Uh, when will we ever beat Liverpool again? <laughs> I mean, I think the easy answer to that is just uh, soon, very soon. I think, you know, we weren't out of the uh, game by any stretch of the imagination this game. I think we've beat them, you know, recently in the past in cup competitions and things like that. So... 
I, 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 I'm not as scared as I would be. I don't know, even maybe two years ago of always losing to Liverpool and it's just, you know, these incremental steps. And I, I, I think next year we're ready. We are looking next season. We are looking to be a, uh, a team that's, you know, in a much better position and hopefully with some strength in coming by. So, you know, in the very near future would be the quick answer. Yeah, I think, I, I, as I said before, you can't really expect to beat a team like Liverpool, who's and, and same with Man City. Their ben, their benches could could play fairly well against our, our starting lineup, and so I, I think you have to consider that we we don't have the depth, we don't have the experience, and and the real. Um, I think we're a, a season or two away from really hanging out with that that top three crowd but the fact that we're sitting in fourth with a young team that has a ton of potential and if if we do finish in a champions league spot i really think that will be the thing that pushes us over the top allows us to get those last pieces and 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 puts us into contention at least Maybe not for the, the league per se. Like I'm not. I'm not saying next next season we're going going for league titles or anything like that. But it at least puts us in that same conversation with the the, the teams that are. And I, I think that we're we're right there with um, some smart some more smart purchases. You know, it, there there's certainly gaps. And I, I think it, you have to look at this game today and said and say if there was. Um, a little bit, a little bit more quality in some positions, and 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 some pl- and maybe a, a player or two, uh, who can just c- create something out of nothing. You know, I, I think we have to admire what Lacazette does for this team, but at the same time, if you have a striker who can really take it to Liverpool, that that would have been a very different game. You know, we just the one the one opportunity that we had from from Odegaard, which we didn't even mention. Because it was it was it, it was just frustrating. I think to to have that be the only real chance that we had, and then just kind of fizzle out. But um, that that falling to a, a quality striker, that's a different situation. Uh, and I, I think we're we're right a piece or two away from really being not just competitive in one half with Liverpool. But but really, um, putting them on their heels. I mean, we we you saw how frustrated Klopp was on the sidelines with how he played in that first half. It's not it's not just the signings, but I think it is just finding a way to continue that level of intensity through an entire game. And I think this young group is going to get there fairly quickly with how much development they've had this year. Yeah, full heartedly agree with that. All right. Um, Oh, Next question. Go Next ahead. Next question. I was just about to get there. Um, this is from friend of the show, Jordan. Can you remember a better transfer window than 2021? White, Rambo, Tommy, Odegaard, even Sambi, and Tavares have ha- also had their moments. The last time Arsenal splurged like this was when Andre Santos murder window or was with the Andre Santos murder window, and we all know how that went. When was... A time the two of you that the two of you impulse bought something and actually worked out cheers 
Well, first of all, I I, I have the internet, so I never, I, I should say, I never really buy impulse buy things. I because there's there's re- you can do research so easily. <laughs> so it's like I'm not, I'm never making uninformed and uninformed buys if I'm gonna splurge oh. on something. I'm usually gonna put in some some time to make sure oh. that my money is well spent. No, I, I impulse buy all the time. It's 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 horrible. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, a couple beers in me, Tim, and the internet. So you, you say it's a good thing for not impulse buy, and a couple beers in me and the internet is always impulse buys. <laughs> yeah, I am I'm, I'm stingy when it comes to buying buying things. I, my impulse buys usually come from food and beer that I don't need. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I've I've spent plenty of money on a random beer myself um i guess like my best uh most recent impulse buy that is uh worked out really well is my xbox uh, i got the new xbox series x and that is uh working well so nice yeah i, w- I would like one of those i think the last time i really impulse bought anything i, I don't i don't really do that <laughs> it's it goes. I, I'm. I've gotten stingy in my old age. Well, you also have a family, and so like people actually, yeah. you have like consequences for impulse buying. Where like you know, my consequence is that I have to eat ramen for the next like month. <laughs> yeah, I would also have to eat ramen along with everybody else, so they would they wouldn't appreciate that. Yeah, exactly. Um, but looking at the the transfer windows, uh, to answer his his first part of the question, um, there's not you know. Arsenal just don't spend like they did in this last window. I mean, it's kind of a more recent phenomenon that they are even spending, um, you know, in the nine digit <laughs> sums. Um, they, you know, they, they spent 184 million in this, in this last window. And, uh, you know, even previous to that, they were just under, you know, just under a hundred million in that previous window. But uh, going back to the 19, uh, 2019-2020 season, when they brought in Pepe, well, Saliba, well, he was bought, but you know how that went. Uh, Tierney, Louise, Martinelli, Ceballos. Uh, that was that was a a big chunk, but most of that went to Pepe. So it was, <laughs> it wasn't like they, there was a lot to, to show for that. Obviously Pepe has been uh, hit and miss Saliba. We still don't know about Tierney. We, that, that was probably the best of the bunch. Uh, well, Tierney and, and Martinelli and then Louise, we know, but uh, yeah, it, 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 it's hard to, to find a window where we've had so many hits, you know, like we, we've spent big, big chunks before you know the the amount that we've spent has obviously gone up because the player valuations keep going up but um to have so many players come in and be good it, it, their first season and to really gel and have starter quality you know these are these are all starters it's outside of sambian and and uh Tavares who you know i've been really quality backups of it. Like everybody else to have them come in and just start right away and, and look like they've been um, really gelled and, and, and come together in a short amount of time. That's pretty unheard of. 
Yeah, I mean, I think I have to go back pretty far to find, you know, and not, not just, you know, doing it by money, but, but doing it by, uh, by uh, you know, quality of players. I think you're either looking at the 2012-13 uh, uh, windows when we brought in Corzola or Santi Corzola, Podolski, and Giroud, which I, you know, and Nacho Monreal. Like, I think that was a, a, a pretty good window, but that was, you know, almost, or yeah almost 10 years ago. And then the window before the 11-12 where you brought in Oxlade, Chamberlain, Mikel Arteta, Gervinho, Metasoccer, that, you know, was a, a an all right window as well. Almunia came back from loan too. But yeah, I think you're looking at those windows because anything in between just, just pales in comparison. Like even, you know, when we spent big and got Azul, like the rest of the, the players we brought in there <laughs> leave much to be desired that window. Yeah, I'm I'm just scrolling back as far as I can here, and you know, there's decent names here and there. I mean, uh, you might get two or three that are, are decent players, but to get such a big group to come come together all at once, it's 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 rare for any team to to hit that many uh, all at once. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm going to go with the twelve thirteen as comparable, but I actually. To be honest, I think this is a much has been a much better window for us than even that for sure. Yeah, and, and and the fact that it's it's such a great foundation and and yet still not the finished product. Like I think there's there's still more to be done. Um, just goes to show how far Arsenal fallen off really that yeah. they had to go back and and really rebuild the team from scratch in so in so many ways. Um, this is a, a very different team than what we had even a, a, a couple years ago. And and I, I think Arteta's done a great job of identifying what he wants to do and they, they've cleared out what he doesn't want to do or doesn't want to work with. And uh, I, you got to admire the, the ownership for the money that they're spending and uh, the the staff for for figuring out exactly what what they wanted to do and then identifying really good players to to make that happen uh, that's the the player identification i think is the is the key not just the money being spent but spending it well yeah and you know like cuz you you look back at that window the the 18 19 window like just jumps out to me as such a bad window you look at that as like Terrera, Leno, which is all right. Leno is fine. Uh, Socrates, Guendouzi, like there's so like many. Like Steiner. Yeah. <laughs> so Adnesi, many. Ba- Callum Chambers, Emmy Martin. Uh, those are guys coming back from back loan. From loan yeah. I mean, like that. Yeah. Yeah, not great. And you, need, you, you look at the like, previous. Yeah. That previous window with Aubameyang, Lacazette. Uh, Katarian. Oh, I wanted him to work out so well. I loved him when he played for BBV, and I was so excited to get him. And he, yeah, that did not work out. Yeah, I, there's, you can't you can't have season after season where you have these player big money players just completely strike out. Um, but I mean, like I, we've spent the transfer sum. We sp- I know Mkhitaryan was kind of a. a make weight but for Sanchez right and mm-hmm. and that um, you know 
the still the money that that was spent on that transfer to make that all work um to just go out and be like hey we're gonna spend that s- similar sum on bringing in uh a player like odegaard i mean that that just it just makes that move seem so stupid <laughs> <laughs> you can i mean really like uh, we, you could go through a whole show we could have a whole segment of a show just based on these like these transfers and you can really see just the decline of the team from uh really you know for the last 10 15 years based on our transfer Mm -hmm. you can really see where we 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 stopped spending money and stopped bringing in and getting in good players you know it it just the the transfer strategy was not clear and that that may have been the 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 ownership that may have been from managers not having a clear desire or a clear clear goals i mean just bringing in players cuz they're good or have been good or you know it's, it's you have to have a style you have to have some expectations you have to have um personality that you're looking for and i think that's why arteta has found success is that he he's identified all those things and found ways to marry that um, across the board and that, that cohesiveness and quality, uh, of, of character and, and player really has come together for this team this year. It's not, it's not just, uh, it's not just technical quality. It's technical quality with a, a, a personality that, that works with what he wants. And that, that makes a huge difference in their, their level of success that they can have in this team. Yeah, I mean, I'm actually just lost in uh, the transfers, and I should probably uh, get my head back into the podcast. Uh... <laughs> let let me get you back into this with a, a question for you. Um, this is another another transfer re- related question here, but uh, Reniel Misquith has a question, and he says, "Would would it be better?" Would it be beneficial to consider buying Chelsea players in the summer based on their current situation? I mean, it's going to be interesting to see whether they can actually sell any players based on this current situation. I, I, don't, I don't know. I've been reading as much as I can about their situation and what it actually means in, in real life. But I would, I don't know if there are any are for sale. But I mean, obviously, if if, you know... There's opportunities that we should 100% take them. I'm trying to think exactly who I would want to take off of that Chelsea team. Well, let, let me ask you this since you've been reading up on it. Mm-hmm. If if they, if they they're able to sell the team and and that goes to, you know, obviously they can only sell to, to whoever the UK government or whoever's running the, the sale deems worthy and, and clean because I think they're, they're looking very closely at who is, uh, who's in the ownership groups because they've, they've made their mistakes before. And so now they yeah. care, they care about who the owner's going to be for once. Um, you know, if, if that, if that goes through and gets settled before next season, uh, is any of this, all this sanction stuff goes away. Right. So they, they could very well be ready to go by the net by the time the the next transfer window rolls uh, rolls in anyway no i mean the sanction stuff goes away but they're they don't have the backing anymore that they had they don't have a, a you know 
Obramovich or Obramovich, Obramovich's money is a huge chunk of what Chelsea does that uh-huh. he can just write a check and basically get any player that I know that they've been kind of sustainably doing things a little bit, but their, their income is definitely outweighed by their outgoing and that's underwritten by uh, Abramovich. And I think that's the big thing is that there, there's no one willing to write these blank checks anymore. So they might, see. might even be able to hold on to some of these players, but they're not going to be able to be spending big money to get anybody new. And so it's a, they're, they're definitely going to be put into a position as far as I understand things are going right now. They'll be put in a position where they're going to have to sell if they're going to buy. Okay. That makes sense. I I would imagine whoever comes in and buys Chelsea is going to have quite a bit of money, but they're also going to spend quite a bit of money to get Chelsea. So I mean, they're going to probably have, have to work their way back up to the level that they are at. If they can even get back to that. Yeah, the, the biggest rumor was a some businessman out of it's a consortium, but a businessman out of uh, Switzerland, and it's it's definitely like you know not oligarch money. It's not the sovereign wealth fund of Saudi Arabia money either. It's probably something much more like our ownership group than uh, than anything else as far as money. But to get to the uh, the question, now that I'm looking at the uh, the lineup, I would buy Conte in a second in a heartbeat. If we could if we could prize him away from uh, from Chelsea, Conte would be amazing. Would you, would you go after Pulisic? <sighs> I sure. I, I don't I, know if we've ever talked about him. Yeah, I mean, like I'm not a huge U.S. men's national team like fan. I think he's a good handy player. I think he gets a lot of a lot of uh, credit because he is, you know, U.S. men's national team. And so this side of the pond, people love him. I think he's fine. I think we have at the same level players in his position, you know, he, he, what, he'd be taking the position that uh, Sokka's at right now. Yeah, no, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade him. Yeah. I mean, like, would he, I mean, is he an upgrade on Pepe? Maybe. I, yeah. No, nah, I mean, if it, I mean, obviously, if anything at the right price is the right price. I mean, you talk about uh, maybe, uh, gosh, I'm looking at, you know, we might be able to get Timo Werner for cut rate and or Lukaku cut rate as a, a, a striker replacement, and that wouldn't be horrible. No, I'd take that. I think that's really the position we should be looking at no matter what, is what, what strikers are going to be, be, be able to be pride loose there. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I love Lukaku. I could, I as a player, I could definitely have time today to see him, and he could, he would be definitely an upgrade on Lacazette for sure. Well, I'm into rating Chelsea if if it's only for good players. I do not want any more of their rejects. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah, like I, I think it would only if it's a good player. I do not want anyone who is planning on leaving, anyways. But uh, I mean, we'll, it, it's a developing situation, as they say. So we'll see how it uh, how it goes. Yes. All right. Moving on to Drunkaroo, new listener, first time question asker, I believe, for him, Drunkaroo, or first time he's asked a question. And uh, his question is: Who's a realistic transfer target you guys can imagine us acquiring who would have made the difference against Liverpool? Yeah. 
any quality striker. I mean, really, that's that is the glaring the glaring gap that we have to fill. Um, and I think that's that's something ever anybody watching that game would know. I mean, like if if you not to say that like Odegaard, uh, it's just I guess it, it, we need somebody who can create create a little bit more uh, offense. It, it's it can't be down to Odegaard to do it. Uh, Lacazette works hard but he's not really creating something out of nothing. And that's really what we needed today is somebody who could just make, make Liverpool pay, you know, for, for any of those loose balls that they're, they had in the first half. Um, I just felt like Arsenal was not, we're not able to really take advantage of it enough. And the way that we're playing right now, there's a lot of balls that are getting, especially the way they had to play against Liverpool. There was a lot of space for, for Saka and Martinelli, but there was no way for them to get central. There was no way for them to get into the space that they needed to um, to get into scoring position. And there was a couple moments where they were able to, you know, get, get to the end line and, and get crosses in. I just don't really trust Lacazette in that situation. And I think you need, you need a type of player who can, stretch the back line, use the, uh, high, you know, take advantage of the high line centrally that, that, uh, Liverpool was giving a ton of space there, but there's just so much work that has to be done. If you're, if you're working from the outside and trying to get inside to get a, a, a decent shot on goal, it's just, it, it, it never really worked for, for Saka or Martinelli today. And it's definitely not going to happen with Lacazette with his speed. And, um, it, 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 I don't know anybody specific that I would go out and sign, but I think obviously it, it is. It has to be a speedy striker with some some clinical skills that can to, can make teams can punish teams, and I, I it's it's the missing missing piece all around. I mean, I I have one name specifically that it's not just because I love the Swedish national team and. I think it is part of the reason I, I, I think it's a good name, but I think it also it seems like a good fit, which is Isak from uh, from uh, Villarreal. And I think he has all those pieces that you were talking about. He has the speed. He has these these clinical finishes and, and, and skills. And he also already has a working relationship with Odegaard, which I think, you know, if you had him up top, he plays a different game than Lacazette for sure. He's not going to be that hold up he's not going to necessarily be that kind of guy who wins you fouls but he what he lacks in that he makes up for in in striking ability and scoring goals so i i I see that and then again jordan i'm sorry to mention his name again but i was just talking with him when i was watching the game today he's he he still thinks we can get uh, uh holland that uh (laughs) <laughs> that uh you know uh, Odegaard's been talking him up and and things like that I I, I still think that's a, a far stretch I think yeah it would take a lot for the Cronkies to open up that amount of money but that would be also another person that would uh definitely uh help in that role oh yes I, I could definitely see that being a big help I it it, it seems a little far-fetched to me uh even if, yeah, even if the Cronkies were going to spend the money, I think Man City would come in and throw an extra $5 million or more to out, outbid whatever the Cronkies could put together. I think they've made pretty clear that they're 
they're willing to spend whatever it takes. So I, I imagine he's going to go to City unless somebody comes in with a better deal or a better project. But I don't, you know, as, as good as the project is at Arsenal, I just, it's, uh, I think it's going to be a tough sell for somebody like Holland to, to make that, that move when there's much better teams, more established teams out there. Which is why we're going to get a suck. I would, I, I, I'm, I'm, that's where I'm pumping my striker. Yeah, I'm, I'm really, that is, that is going to be the big saga of the summer. Of course, it's going to be the two strikers that we're going to need to acquire and hopefully not have to. <laughs> I, I, I hope that Lacazette signs somewhere fairly early on. So it's not some will will he won't he resign with Arsenal for another season or two because I just want that to not be a, a narrative at all. Like, I, mean, I don't want Arsenal to even be tempted. I mean, I think the thing, and I think he's been doing such a good job. He's been a great captain, and you know now that he's found a role that he likes, I wouldn't mind doing what you know Arsenal used to do with older players, which is a one season contract. You know, for a reasonable price, sign him for another season. If he proves himself, sign him for another season. What I don't want with Lacazette is a long-term contract. But I also do feel like this is his last time to actually get a long-term contract. So he's going to probably be more looking for for a multi-year, multi-million contract as opposed to just uh, you know one-and-done contracts. Yeah, I don't, I don't see it happening. But um, weirder things have happened. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I just it, hope Arsenal have learned their lesson at this point. Because, I mean, that that is what Arsenal used to do for older players was that they would be, you know, single-year contracts, and that was just the expectation. Maybe we can start building that expectation again. Yeah. Yeah, but I agree with you. I think he, that would be a, a compromise for him, and it would only happen if there was nothing else left on the market for him. Yeah, and I, I don't think that's the case. I think there's plenty of teams that want a striker like him at his profile. You know, not necessarily in Premier League level, but at a another club. Yeah, I see him making a fine finish to his career, going to France, or maybe MLS will come calling. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to get Messi and uh, Neymar soon, so. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think I, I'm. I'm very anxious to see what names start getting linked with Arsenal when the window opens up. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be a long summer though. Got uh, lots of work to do. I hate transfer windows. I like seeing <laughs> what we have and working what we have as opposed to spending months trying to figure out who's gonna come. Yeah. All right, that's it for us. That's that's the last question. So we can wrap things up. Uh, and I. I thank you all for for sticking with us we finally got an episode where we had zero technical difficulties so excited about that so excited uh, <laughs> you have no idea how how challenging it's been behind the scenes but we did it we've completed an episode so thank you for sticking with us through the the bumpy road the last month or so um if you haven't done so already review and subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast right now uh, join us on Twitter. We are at W of N London. Email us at westofnorthlondon at gmail.com. Voicemails can be sent to anchor.fm slash westofnorthlondon slash message. We have a Discord, which you can find a link to in our show notes. And of course, Bobcat has written us a great theme song. Go check them out at bobc.at. Their album, No Course to Follow, can be found there and much more. 
And that is all for us this week. So as always, see you at the next gun show.